listening to New England Public Radio News. I'm Adam Frenier, and this is The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. With us today is Kristen Palpini with The Valley Advocate and Matt Zafransky, editor of Western Mass Politics and Insight. Welcome to you both. Thanks for having me. We start this week in Montague, Massachusetts, where the controversy over the mascot at the town's Turner's Falls High School continues. Earlier this year, the school committee voted to get rid of the nickname Indians, which has been deemed offensive by some Native Americans. However, voters this week in a non-binding ballot question said by a more than two-to-one margin that they want Indians brought back, and they booted school committee vice chair Sandy Brown, who voted against the mascot. Here she is. I think change is hard, and I think if people had listened, more people would have come around to the way the school committee was. So, And, you know, people, did, I mean, they're really connected to the football team. Kristen, the shift away from Native American mascots and nicknames has taken place at universities and high schools around the country. What do you think about that trend perhaps being bucked in Turner's Falls? I do not care for that. Um, at the Valley Advocate, a couple of years ago when the whole Washington uh, NFL flap was going on, we made a decision not to use that racial slur in the paper ever again because it's offensive. Somebody's culture is not a mascot. It's not a toy. It's not something you just throw on. So um, I, think this is, uh, I think this is a bad move. And I think um, picking a mascot over somebody's ability to run a school um, it's just crazy. Matt, there's a lot of schools in western Massachusetts that still have nicknames such as Indians, Warriors, or even Raiders. Does this surprise you at all that this actually became an election issue in Montague and a political one? And what about the possible backlash, uh, sort of what following on what Kristen was saying, uh, if they do decide to make this change? Well, I think part of the problem with some of this is, is, and this isn't to defend those people who actually insist on maintaining some of these mascots, is that there hasn't been enough humanizing of the issue itself. It it's, can come across as very abstract for a lot of people. And that's not necessarily, that, again, that's not a justification. But, you know, having some of the stories, perhaps, of, of Native Americans and how those types of uh, uh, stereotypes have harmed them and bring that into the community a little bit, I think could have gone a long way to kind of tamping down some of the fervor over this. I think that's just wild. I mean, the the mascot is an Indian's face. Uh, I mean, how, how more human can you get? Well, it's true. For our next topic, we usually try to leave the national discussion to our colleagues on the network, but with everything going on in Washington this week, it's hard not to bring it up. Jay Gonzalez, a Democratic candidate for governor in Massachusetts, said this week that President Donald Trump should be impeached for obstruction of justice. Matt, Republican Governor Charlie Baker appears likely to run for re-election. Assuming he does, do you see Democrats making an issue out of Baker's party affiliation as they try to retake the governor's office? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the you know, in, in the in past elections uh, for governor and full disclosure, I, I have worked uh, for Democratic candidates before. Um, they uh, totally would talk, say the word Republican before uh, the candidate's name on a regular basis. That being said, um, I think what this is, there's two things going on here. One is the Google gubernatorial Democratic candidates are trying to get name recognition. There are long, long ways from going up against Baker directly. And the other aspect of it is to try to drive a wedge between those voters that are comfortable with Charlie Baker, but totally uncomfortable with Donald Trump, because that will ultimately probably be how a Democrat wins in 2018. Kristen Baker made it clear he wasn't voting for Trump or anybody else for president and has been critical at times of some of the president's policies. Still, has he done enough in this very blue state to protect himself from a possible Trump backlash? I think he has. Uh, Massachusetts has a long history of having Republican governors and uh, Democrats in the in the House and the Senate. Um, Duvall was kind of a, a blip on the radar in, in a sense. Um, so and Baker is a, a very um, 
centrist kind of Republican. He's done a lot of things uh, for homelessness, the opioid epidemic, but he's also, you know, made some, uh, I don't know, unfortunate decisions like uh, the one to not uh, have Massachusetts take in refugees. Matt, going back to what Kristen said, Massachusetts does have a long line of Republican governors going all the way back to William Weld, despite a heavily uh, Democrat legislature. What about that? Why is it you think that Massachusetts uh, likes their governor's Republican, but everything else rather blue? Well, I'm going to crib a little bit from a Boston Magazine a writer, David Bernstein, who observed a couple of years ago that Massachusetts, for some whatever reason, seems to like these, you know, manager type of governors. And Deval Patrick actually fit into that. I mean, he worked for Coca-Cola in Texaco, I believe. You know, if you go, I mean, the, the, the sole exception probably would have been Paul Salucci because he was lieutenant governor and state senator before that. But all the rest of them had this, like, like executive kind of experience. And that seems to be the more so than party, the thing voters are using to balance against the legislature. Kristen? I would agree. I think Massachusetts, uh, I think I think we like that difference. I don't think we want all Democrats. I think we want, you know, some button heads. We want we want things to be figured out. Meanwhile, marijuana legalization is back in the news in New England. Recently, Vermont lawmakers voted on a bill to legalize pot. And in Connecticut, Democratic lawmakers this week floated the idea of legalization to help close a hefty budget deficit, although that seems unlikely that legalization will be passed this year in the Connecticut legislature. Matt, is it sound fiscal policy to use marijuana to increase state revenues? Well, I don't know if it's sound fiscal policy, but it certainly is uh, a way to solve some of your uh your short-term problems. I think the problem is is that when marijuana became legalized in Colorado, they dedicated it to very specific things. And I think that was a good way to go. It kind of calmed the nerves of a lot of people who were antsy about it. Using it to just say, we need you know X number of millions of dollars, and this is going to fill that hole right there, that reduces the uh, uh, imperative, I think, that or not the imperative, but the, the, the comfort that some people have with it, as opposed to you know, putting it toward education or health care. In Vermont, Republican Governor Phil Scott is still considering whether to sign the bill, and if he does, there will be three states in the region with legal marijuana, Vermont, Maine, and Massachusetts. Kristen, with the Mass Legislature considering tweaks to the marijuana law passed by voters last year, do you think a regional approach to regulating pot might make sense? It might, but it won't happen. Um, The states aren't going to be able to agree on that. I mean, taxes would have to be Uh, agreed on between all the states. I I just don't think it's feasible. Um, But I would like to say uh, what's going on in Vermont is really interesting. You know, that's the first state to have uh, legal marijuana come up through the Congress instead of through a voter referendum. So they're they're kind of uh, that they're leading in this sense. And it's kind of cool. What do you think about that, Matt, in a few seconds? Uh, I think that that's ultimately what you're going to start seeing. A lot of the states are starting to get less and less scared of it because the voters themselves have uh, pushed it in uh, neighboring states. Yeah, so they can either get in front of it and make the plan or do what Massachusetts did and have the voters uh, thrusted on them. And now we've got like this gray area where we don't really have laws for it yet. Right. Kristen Palpini of The Valley Advocate and Matt Zafransky, editor of Western Mass Politics and Insight. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. You're welcome. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning into The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. You can catch The Shortlist at any time by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or by going to nepr.net slash podcast. I'm Adam Frenier, and this is New England Public Radio.